Welcome to Why Am I Just Finding This Out? I'm your host, Kristen Stovern, women's health clinician for over 20 years, practicing in all areas of women's health with a passion to educate, empower, and leave a legacy of better health for women. Welcome to Why Am I Just Finding This Out? This episode is with Dr. Roberts. The goal of this podcast is to reach everyday listener that is unfamiliar with many things with our health and wants to just feel better. Today, we are talking about gut health. Why? Well, when gut health isn't optimal, hormones become imbalanced. Every day in practice, I have patients saying they want their hormones checked or their hormones are off. Something is wrong with their hormones. Each time, I want to start with gut health. Hopefully today, some insight will reach each of you listeners. Please let me know any feedback or questions that you may have. And again, remember, this is not medical advice. Please, for any personal medical questions, ask your medical provider. Welcome, Dr. Roberts. Thank you so much for giving your time and wisdom today on the podcast. When I did my residency with you last year, I learned a great deal. And there are not too many people that I would want to sit down and truly share that knowledge that is helping so many. After your couple of decades in conventional medicine, you made a shift into functional medicine. What was the impetus to that? Well, it is interesting. I started out thinking I was going to practice OBGYN until it was time for me to hang up my stethoscope. But probably about seven years ago, I was introduced to hormone replacement therapy in in a little bit more of a real way. I had a physician's assistant who was helping me with that and he was leaving to go on the mission field. And so I felt like if I was going to offer this, I needed to have a level of expertise to then treat patients. And so I signed up for a a hormonal course through A4M, and I went to a weekend course. It was really interesting. And I have to admit, at the end of the weekend, I felt like I'd learned more in two days than I learned in four years of my residency program in OBGYN. And so I I was kind of hooked. And at that point, I actually called the director and I said, hey, I know I've already paid sort of the hormonal package here, but I'd like to do the full fellowship. So two and a half years later, still working a fairly busy job as an OBGYN, I finished my fellowship and I'm now board certified and I don't ever want to look back. I'm having more fun than I've had in medicine. Interesting. We both have spent a lot of time with uh, higher education and then practice. And here we both are going back to school and adding another notch to what we do professionally. But I also feel like the wisdom that you had in practicing has also led you to have the realization of where missing so much in conventional medicine that you had to have the desire to look for more, to find that missing link, which actually is not just a missing link. It's the whole picture we've been missing. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, the light that you get going into kind of an integrative medicine approach is really the light that we've been missing, I think, in medicine. Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. been kind of taught recipe medicine and -hmm. patients are not, we're not cooking on the stove. Patients Mm -hmm. are people, they're Mm -hmm. individuals and they need to be individualized in their treatment. Absolutely. So today, what we want to focus on for this podcast is a question that both of us have gotten many times over is what is gut health? And Maybe they don't start out with that question. It's they come in saying, I want my hormones tested. Something's wrong with my hormones. I'm gaining weight. I can't do this. I'm having hot flashes. And we both have the approach of, okay, hold on. I need to ask you a few questions. And it always starts with gut health for both of us. What is gut health? 
But again, I think you said it, gut health is not just one thing. It's a multitude of different things. It, it impacts every aspect of human health. I tell my patients regularly that 70% of your entire immune system is resting underneath a single layer of cells that line your intestines. Mm -hmm. And immunity, your immune system controls all of your inflammation. And so if inflammation even controls hormones, I mean, again, it's just fatigue, it's brain fog, it's all of these symptoms. And Hippocrates, a few thousand years ago, said that all disease begins in the gut. And frankly, he was probably right. So for all my listeners out there, just know Dr. Roberts is very, very smart. And his brain holds all these facts. I don't know where he tucks them away, but we're just having a discussion and he just pops these things out. So he truly is impressive. You're right. So the microbiome is a term that's used many times with gut health and Again, for our listeners, not everybody understands what a microbiome is. And a microbiome, for those that are unaware, is basically your intestinal bacteria. There's good, there's bad, there's over 200 different species, there's viruses and funguses in there and so forth. But that microbiome that you have synthesizes nutrients, aids in digestion. It releases chemicals that regulate moods, metabolism, immune function, and it helps control the level of estrogen within your body for those listeners that are particularly concerned on the female front. But if you're a male, you, hormonally, same for you. Your gut 100% impacts your entire body. So when we talk about gut health, not that it's not obvious by the statement I just made, but why is it good for our general health? Why is it good for our well-being? Well, again, I think part of it is kind of what I said before in that when you think of inflammation as being such a major driver of the things that we consider bad in us are things that are out of balance. Your gut is really on point there. I mean, most of the serotonin that you make in your body is actually made in the intestines. Most people don't realize that. Most people also don't realize that histamine that we think of related to allergies, et cetera, is actually a neurotransmitter. And it's stimulated oftentimes by what we eat in our gut. What's really intriguing is that the bacteria in your gut can change by what your mood is within 48 hours you can almost change the map of the flora bacteria yeast etc in your gut just by how you feel there's a huge connection between the brain and the gut they were formed again when we were little babies inside of our mother's womb both of these tissues were formed at about the same time and there's an interesting nerve called the vagus nerve that communicates between the gut and the brain and back when I was in school, we were sort of trained that it was mainly the brain kind of coordinating the gut. But what's really interesting is that there's for every single one signal going to the gut, there are nine signals going back from the gut to the brain. So again, you mentioned it. We have in our cells, in our body, about 34 to 35 trillion cells in our whole body. We have over 300 trillion bacteria in our gut. That's an amazing number. It really is. So serotonin, it's a hormone in your brain. It's a neurohormone. And so for those that are tracking what he's just talking about, you have serotonin in your brain. And then we're talking about your gut having the receptors for that hormone. So your brain and your gut are 100% linked. So when we talk about our general everyday, how we feel, do you have a headache? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you anxious? Do you feel like you don't, your skin is itching or you feel like your legs are tingling. All the neurological responses from mood to how your neurological response system is in your skin, to your gut, to your relationships, because those are all based on our hormonal response. 
start with your gut and how we take care of our gut on an everyday basis. So clearly this is good for our general health and well-being. When we talk about general health and well-being and the gut health, the role of that microbiome, what role does that play when we're talking about your immune system, mental health, endocrine issues, autoimmune? So if your microbiome is good and you have mental health issues versus you don't take care of your microbiome because you drove through Chick-fil-A yesterday and you (laughs) had your potato chips out of a bag with a bajillion ingredients that aren't meant to be in your body. How does that microbiome respond and how does that affect those body systems? Tremendously. Again, we have specific bacteria in our that will respond and proliferate in the presence of simple sugars. We have the good flora that we think of. That's what is fed by vegetables and basically the complex carbohydrates are what we call fiber. And so when we eat a diet that's high in fat, high in sugar, and especially processed, we're literally increasing the numbers of those more pathogenic bacteria that create in us a lot of these mood disorders. I mean, even in the area of autism, they believe that clostridial species overgrowth is a big factor in people who have issues with autism. Well, again, that's important. And so it would be nice to to be able to treat patients with some things to address clostridia. But back to what you said, why not just kind of work a little bit more on what you're feeding them? Again, there is a point where I've got such an overgrowth, my good flora are in a dormancy that you now have to do some external therapy. I've found, and we've done this a lot in my practice over the last year, you can do it with probiotics. You just have to give high volumes and the right versions of probiotics in the right order. And you can actually restore. We all have our own signature imprint of bacteria. Most of us share about 98% of exactly the same DNA as humans, but we are about 30 to 40% variant in the bacteria that we have in our gut. That's really what gives us our differences. And again, we need to be better about, again, how we take care of those important parts of our health. So common signs and symptoms of unhealthy gut that we both see are going to be related to GI upset. So you have a lot of uncomfortable gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, heartburn. I also do feel like there's a lot of skin-related issues. You can have psoriasis, eczema, rashes, chronic headaches, insomnia, et cetera. And so when we talk about gut health and the American diet, And we talk about those that have unstable or unhealthy microbiomes. I think it's important to add that all of us are at a different starting point. So when you're listening to this and you think, okay, tomorrow I'm going to eat healthy and your bloating actually gets worse or your headaches actually get worse. That's right. It took you a long time for your gut to get where it is. It's going to take some time and patience to get better. And so you may not be able to do what a hundred other people can do to get it better. You can get there. And that's where the prebiotics and probiotics and this specific diet for three or four months and so forth do really help. But I just hope that those that are listening understand that we hear your frustration and we realize it's not instant gratification. It will take some time, but you can get there. No, I agree. And again, I mean, a lot of the patients, when I was suggesting that we put them through kind of a specific tiered probiotic pathway, one of the first things we'll do, you brought it up, is to talk to them about what they're avoiding. What we oftentimes do is to put them on something that's called a low FODMAPS diet. 
And FODMAPs is an acronym for a bunch of different fibers. Because if I have a whole bunch of bad bacteria in my gut, I always use the analogy, if I've got a bunch of weeds in my garden, and all I do is I go out and I water my garden every day, why would I be surprised that all I'm doing is making my weeds grow? (laughs) If I want to make this better, I want to pull the weeds, plant the seeds, fertilize the seeds, then feed the garden with the water. And then amazingly, we're going to blossom and bloom these things that, again, for us, are going to help us with our overall health. I love that analogy. It's so true. Well, and it's simple and it's real because, again, our guts are very much like the soil that we till and we plant that get food out of. We have to think of it that way. I think that a really good way to start is when you're looking at what you're buying, whether it's your groceries, whether it's you're going to a food place, everyone has to put their nutritional content on the packages. The things that aren't in a package that require a list, well, that's a good food. If it requires a list and there are things on that list that you do not know what they are, you can hardly pronounce them. You have to look up the words. That is not something your body loves. And that means it's going to create inflammation in your gut. If you chronically create inflammation in your gut, when you're ready to feel better, you have to realize that inflammation has to be decreased before you can actually absorb those healthier nutrients. And so, like you said, weeds in the garden, you have all these weeds. And if we keep feeding them, great. But say we try to be healthy for New Year's Day. (laughs) And we want to do a 30-day cleanse. Well, in that 30 days, you've not healed all that inflammation that's been created over years, months, decades, whatever it is. So as soon as you think, okay, today's my cheat day, I'm going to have a cheeseburger and fries and a Diet Coke. (laughs) Those weeds are like, here I come. Yeah, there's no free lunch, as they say. You're always going to pay for what you add in. And especially if you're already kind of on the edge. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of patients. I tell them, look, you can get to the point where you can periodically go to a wedding, go to an anniversary, go to a birthday party and sort of enjoy, go with your spouse on vacation and enjoy. But you're going to enjoy that vacation in the week after that if you've been good for the rest of the time. Because the problem is, to your point, you said it earlier, the standard American diet is an acronym. It's a SAD diet, S-A-D diet. And it's really true. I mean, we are a country that sprays our food with an herbicide that if you look at the glyphosate in Roundup, if you look at it, it is patented as an antibiotic. Think about that. So every time you eat a piece of bread or anything with wheat in it, you're literally destroying gut flora. And then we wonder why we struggle. Well, and it's something that you and I have discussed many times. And when I was tagging along with you all of last year, we talked to many patients about the same subject. What I tell people when they say, do you have any food allergies? One of the ones I list is corn. And it's not because I'm actually allergic to corn. It's because corn has been glyphosated. Yep. And that glyphosation process is so terrible for our bodies. And so what you were just talking about is our industrialized grains, our American gluten-containing grains, corn, Mm -hmm. sugars, Mm -hmm. industrial seed oils, Mm -hmm. dairy. We have all these things that have been affected by whether it's the pesticides, the chemicals that have been put in these things. And we wonder why we have worsening and worsening inflammatory disorders, autoimmune disorders in this country. Yeah. And let me take a step further. And you're absolutely right. 
if we look at also the fact that they take that same industrialized corn and they spray with atrazine, which is a different chemical, and they grind that up and they feed that to our cows and to our pigs and to our chickens, we have to understand that when we go to the store and we buy those things to eat, they store all of those antibiotics or pesticides or herbicides, they store all of that in their fat. So when we eat a hamburger, whether it's 80, 20, 90, 10, I don't care, you're still getting where that animal is storing all those toxins in the fat in your food. So again, it's organic is huge. I can't tell you how many of my patients now are doing kind of what I'm doing, which is I'm going to build my own garden. I mean, I don't, the soil is contaminated now. We don't get the minerals out of it that we should. We don't get the vitamins in our foods that our grandparents used to get. We have to kind of take onus over this and realize that to your point, I can't just go to, I don't want to throw Walmart under the bus, but Walmart or any grocery store and go get a bell pepper or a tomato because that's not the same nutritional bell pepper tomato that our grandparents and great-grandparents ate. And we just have to realize that. So when you have someone who's saying, okay, great, so I don't want those chemicals in my body, how do I go to the store and pick out beef, for example, to know that animal ate something okay or was treated okay? What do you tell people to do for that? Honestly, it's really hard, although I, I have to tell you, I love all these. The prices are good there. They have yes. organic. Sometimes you have to go on faith that it is truly organic. I know there's a lot of debate about whether these things truly are completely organic or not. I can tell you that I can tell a difference myself personally when I eat organic ground beef from all these versus if I go to, again, whether it's Walmart or whatever store, kind of the conventionally raised and again, grain finished beef, I can tell a difference. I'll have a lot of my patients too, because again, we live kind of in farming country. And so they'll say, oh, yeah, I get my beef from Joe down the way. And Joe grass feeds his, his beef. And I said, oh, really? Have you talked to Joe and asked him if he actually feeds them grain at the end of the finishing period? And the answer is typically yes. Well, then whether you get it from Joe or whether you get it from Walmart, it's pretty much the same thing. Well, it's not quite the same thing, but pretty close. And again, we have to scrutinize what goes into us because we depend on the bacteria in our gut to keep us healthy. That's just the bottom line. Well, and the synopsis of that is we talked about grains and how grains are chemically treated and why they cause a response. Well, if you have an animal, right, that ate those same grains, you eat what they ate. Exactly so when right. you look at food, if you say, okay, what did that cow eat? What did that salmon eat? What did that orange roughy eat? Doesn't matter what it is. You eat what it ate or what it absorbed right. or what it ingested. And we can't be perfect, but finding stores or growing ourselves or taking care of the animals ourselves, we can try to make the attempts to be as clean as possible. No, I agree. And again, so we all love to talk about fish and how good fish is for us. And most people, when they go out to eat, will get tilapia. In our area, it's, a lot of it is uh, catfish, but both tilapia and catfish are farmed. And when you say farmed, they actually have the tilapia in big nets out in the ocean or wherever they're keeping them, but they feed them grain. That's how they feed them. And so again, you're, you're actually, when I was in my training, they said, when you eat tilapia, you might as well have had a cheeseburger because you would enjoy it better. You're getting about the same nutrition. So again, simplistically, even going to like Sam, get wild caught salmon. Yes, it's frozen. Yes, we live in the Midwest. We don't have access to the fresh stuff, 
okay, fine. But at least you're going to that next level of, yeah, but I know that, and again, in some respects, you're going to have to trust the labeling. I know this is wild caught. And that means I better chance that this to be more nutritionally sound for me. Well, and to that point, not everybody can afford some of the organic products or some of the foods that are made in a higher quality, but at least starting with shopping the outside of a store, you get the fresh produce, yep. fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, you get the cleaner products and preparing at home as much as you can and learning what to cook with, which on that note, when we talk about oils and we talk about industrial seed oils and yes. what that can cause, what is your take on what people should cook their food in? That's a great question. And again, that's where being at home is so helpful. But you also have to be a little careful too. Olive oil has a relatively high smoke point. There's a lot of debate on whether you can cook with olive oil. I think you cook in medium heat, you're fine with that. But you have to make sure that you're getting your olive oil that is 100% olive oil because they will cut olive oil with sunflower oil because it doesn't change the taste. And you're getting now a potentially contaminated omega-6 fat in what should be a monounsaturated fat that should be good for you, you've now tainted it. I tell people all the time when they get olive oil, it needs to be organic. It's not that much more expensive. You can get it at Walmart, but look and make sure that when you get it, that you know what the harvest date is. A lot of the oils, they will put, oh, it's good until, let's say, 2025. Well, no, it's not. You really need to consume olive oil within six months of harvest because after that time frame, it starts to oxidize. I tell my patients all the time, like with fish oil, if you buy fish oil at Walmart or Sam's or Walgreens or wherever, the average time it's been on the shelf is 18 months. Wow. Oil will go rancid within the first six months. And so the reason why patients burp up the taste of fish is that they rancid oil and mm -hmm. their body doesn't like that. And it well, creates and triggers histamine. Well, and on that note, so which Dr. Roberts was just speaking about fish oils in terms of the supplement that is good, your omega fatty acids, which are good for multiple things in your body, but we won't go into that today. The oils are directly related to each other and how they affect us. Why are seed oils so terrible? So when I hear people say, oh yeah, I use vegetable oil. Oh yeah, I used canola oil. I try to tamper my reaction, but they're so bad for you. No, they are. And again, you've got to remember that our cells are all made up of a fatty bilayer. And a lot of what goes into our cells are some of the oils that we take in. I mean, you mentioned going to, let's say, McDonald's to eat a meal. I still remember, I don't want to leave the subject, but I remember in my training that they said, look, if you're going to go to McDonald's, at least take a quality fish oil and take it at the same time that you just had whatever you ate. Because mm -hmm. now you're at least competing with that arable oil mm -hmm. that fried that burger you're competing mm -hmm. with that to get into the cell membrane. It's a matter of finding, to your point, the natural oils, and I would argue even biblically, olive oil is certainly referred to multiple times and is incredibly healthy for us as a monounsaturated fat. But yeah, I mean, we have to understand fats can be our friend, but they can also be our foe. So before we wind up this first series in our podcast series on gut health, we want to talk more about nutrition, of course, and all the things that you can do to improve your health and help listeners understand what harms them to make it a, a digestible form of information. But I would like to leave listeners with maybe your take on why does stress also have such an impact 
on our stomachs, on our gut health, which then ultimately affects our whole bodies. What is it about stress, whether it's an external or internal stressor that affects our gut health so much? That's a great question. And that's, that's, I'm going to try to make this pretty simplistic, but it's pretty deep. Stress creates in us the release of both cortisol and adrenaline. And cortisol is has a direct impact on histamine that we've talked about a few times in our discussion. Histamine as a neurotransmitter, and I know we're going to talk about in our next little podcast, directly stimulates estrogen. So it can create an estrogen dominance in people. But this is the part that, again, I learned relatively recently that was shocking to me. There's a histamine three receptor. And again, I apologize. You know me, Kristen, I get a little nerdy sometimes. There's a histamine three receptor that in your brain, when you stimulate it, will downregulate acetylcholine. And again, acetylcholine helps with bowel motility. So this can be why you have, hey, I've got reflux symptoms at night. It's actually an excess of histamine that's not allowing the food to move all the way through your gut. It's now refluxing back up. And oh, by the way, histamine also stimulates acid production. So you do get an increase in the acid outlay and low motility. That's why I get reflux. Again, cortisol also has an impact on serotonin. As we just said, 92% of the serotonin that you have in your body is made in your gut. And it's important in the small intestine to help with motility. It does help with our mood, yes, but it helps with motility too. But this is also why a lot of people will get anxious or they get depressed when their gut is a mess. And what's interesting, back to what we said at the beginning of this, If we treat the gut, it's amazing how mood starts to improve a little bit because we're lessening the inflammation. The last one's dopamine. Lots of people are struggling with ADHD or issues of focus. Well, dopamine is an important part of that. Histamine, when when histamine hits that histamine 3 receptor, dopamine is downregulated. So again, now I'm having trouble with focus. Again, histamine is very hyperstimulatory. It can lead to migraine headaches. Again, estrogen-dominant type symptoms. And all of that being triggered by stress, not necessarily just from what you eat, but stress from your job, other physical stressors that you have, anything that's going to make cortisol go up and make epinephrine go up is going to have an impact on creating high histamine, but also more inflammation. Right. And you're not saying that stress isn't a factor of our lives, but it's all about coping and giving our bodies the best tools to deal with that stress. But when we have stressors and we all have chronic stressors, how we take care of our bodies during those stressors is what's going to ultimately keep us healthy. And I think we're not trying to minimize that we all have stress. And certainly we all do have different degrees of stress and we have unexpected stressors we can't control. But when we look at overall health and we're trying to give individuals the tools to feel better, and you were talking about serotonin and dopamine, which again, neurotransmitters in our brain that are going to neurohormones, right? So they are part Mm -hmm. of your hormonal system. If you eat something and it makes your stomach upset and you have bloating, constipation, diarrhea, whatever, you are also very likely to have stress hormonal responses. Yes. Anxiety, irritability, anger, insomnia, loss of focus, brain fog, And then the cascade of having that hormonal effect in other parts of our bodies. Uh, So I love that you point out that the stressors that we have every day, pointing out that not saying that dopamine and serotonin aren't in the brain, they are, but they're also in the gut. Yeah. Right. Well, and again, to your point too, there are certain stressors that are beyond our control, but we need to try to address what we can address. And again, 
we can mitigate some of the impact of those stressors by going back to taking care of the gut, which is where a lot of this is triggered. Absolutely. So as we wrap up this first episode of this podcast, do you have a final thought you'd like to leave with our listeners to maybe help them get through the next week or two until we release our next podcast? I think the biggest thing we've kind of touched on, I think that it's a choice and it's sometimes a difficult choice because as Kristen has said, the cost of some of these organic foods, et cetera, are a little on the high side. Having said that, I love what she said too about basically buying out on the periphery of the store. It's all the boxed package stuff that have names that are as long as the line is (laughs) for the label. I always tell patients that the longer the name, the longer it takes to get through your liver to clear it that way. So no, I mean, do your best. Try to do as much organic as you can. I think that's very helpful. Honestly, especially I think in the areas of the wheat-based products and the meats. I would say the same thing for vegetables. There's a really nice couple of charts. One is called the Dirty Dozen. So you can look this up online. There are a dozen foods that are kind of the really bad foods as far as the uh, non-organic type. And they keep changing the number, but they used to call it the Clean 15. It's actually more than that. But Aldi's and other stores are starting to make organic more available and at a better price. And you kind of have to get to the point where you just say, look, I don't want to have to take three or four other medications that I'm going to take because of the symptoms that this bad food is giving me. I'm going to try to work more on eating better food. Absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that. In the show notes today, I will add the dirty dozen that he discussed and his website will be posted. If you have any questions for him or think topics you'd like us to discuss in the future, please reach out. We would love to hear from you and hoping that any content that we have that you are learning and hopefully working towards better health. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to our next conversation. I do as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Why Am I Just Finding This Out? We are facing a crisis in women's health. It is time to be seen and heard. It is time to address medicine and wellness for women holistically. And whatever we do, let's strive to leave a legacy of better. Thank you. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guests' qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult your healthcare provider.